to Blast from the Arsenal. Hello everybody, how you doing? Thanks for joining us on another episode of Blast from the Arsenal, your weekly podcast for all things Arsenal, and of course proudly sponsored by Productive Design. If this is your first time listening to our uh, show, thank you for downloading. And of course, as, as I always say, if you're returning back because you, you love what we do, then thanks again for your support. Really appreciate it. Uh, I'm Angelo, your host. Joining me as ever, as he has done all season, he's now a, a seasoned veteran in the podcasting game. It's Diddley. How are you doing, Diddley? Hello, Angelo. I'm good. How are you? I'm 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 all right. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a big week for us, isn't it? Um, which we'll come on to shortly, but we've got Villarreal. We got off to a, a you know a nice uh, a nice end to to last week by beating Newcastle. Again, we'll talk about it in a moment. But um, that aside, I'm all right. Uh, other than the weather, because um, you know we're in May, we should be looking forward to the end of the season because it's a disaster, and looking forward to um, you know nice sunny weather. And at the minute, it's like monsoon season outside my window. Um, so, yeah, what about you? Yeah, the weather's not been great, has it? Um, but due to some events last night, I didn't sleep in the normal room that I uh, we normally sleep in, um, which was a good thing because it's usually quite noisy in there when it rains because we've got a tree right outside and, and the gutter in and everything. Um, yeah, so slept well. But basically, I, we broke the bed. <laughs> but it's a family show. <laughs> so, so I won't go into details. Well, I've done that before, if, if that's any consolation. But, you know, for, for non-family uh, show reasons, I think literally just the bed collapsed on me once. Not on me, I was on the bed. But, you know, the, the bed collapsed and I had to go into work the next day and say, I need to leave early today. I've got a, a new bed to collect. And I just carried on with my story by saying because we broke the bed last night and everyone thought the worst so um yeah. but yours sounds like they should think the worst is that what you're saying no 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 i, I joke i joke it, it's just one of those those things it's quite a, an old bed and you know maybe i'll put, put on a few pounds over over lockdown but um yeah so that's on its way out i've had to order a new one um that wasn't the only sort of disaster that happened uh this weekend i um had a mishap with the washing right <laughs> well anyway i accidentally um left a pen in my pocket one of my drawing ink pens yeah let me just show you what it's done to to my top that looks quite artistic it <laughs> <laughs> looks quite artistic yeah it's uh, just to describe it to everybody it's uh, almost looks like someone's got a um, uh, what's the word a, a, a very small paintbrush dipped it into some black paint and tries to be creative on your your t-shirt or your jumper even. Yeah, um, it looks like one of those block tests you get in uh, therapists' offices. Oh yeah, what well, what what do you see when you see this shape? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh mate, so uh, mad one for you. Yeah, crazy mate, crazy. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> More crazy than me. I, I've just been in the garden trying to do some more building work. So uh, exciting times. But like I say, the good news is we won a game. We kept a clean sheet and we've got a big semi-final to look forward to this uh, this week. So we'll come on to all of that in just a second. Um, but before we do, I just want to say 
as I do every week, a little reminder, please subscribe to our podcast um, so that when a new one comes out, you get a really annoying but very welcome notification to say, Angelo and Diddley have got a new episode for you to listen to. Um, so make sure you listen to, uh, sorry, make sure you do that. Make sure you subscribe and also make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram too. Diddley, you've done it well, so well all season. Why don't you tell everyone what that social media handle is so that they can find us? It is at Blast Arsenal Pod. At Blast Arsenal Pod. It is indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Um, right. This week, we've, I always say we've got loads to get through. This week, we've still got a lot to get through, but um, we're going to make it more manageable, aren't we? We're going to make it more, uh, yeah. you know, GCSE revision bite-sized chunks and uh, not not go too heavy on, on info this week, largely because, as I say, we won the Newcastle game, but it doesn't really mean an awful lot. But we have got a big um, semi-final coming up, so we'll, we can focus on that too. Uh, but first up, as we, again, as we've done all season, there's only one place to start. And Diddley, you know what it is, don't you? Tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. Um, now, if you're new to listening to this, Tweet of the Week is a, a feature where you know Diddley and I find a lot of stuff on social media that comes our way, uh, primarily via Twitter, given it's Tweet of the Week. And if we see something that's funny or amusing, then we give it a shout out. Although this week's Tweet of the Week... We've kind of reverted to type and only gone and chosen one tweet of the week to look at. And the reason for that is, you'll have noticed, we've been quite quiet on social media this past weekend. uh, And we'll touch on that in a moment. But this week's tweet of the week is from at Invincible SM7, also known as Sadiq. Um, So he's responded. I'm assuming it's a he, Sadiq's a chap. He's responded to um, someone berating Arsenal saying um so the, the tweet that he responded to he said these guys are so deluded man laughing my ass off ac milan are a better team than arsenal will have champions league football and are a far bigger club but you arsenal but yeah i'm oh, sorry but yeah arsenal are more attractive and i think this is in um in relation to um Gigi donnarumma who's reportedly of interest to juventus he's on a free contract um or free transfer because he's out of contract at the end of the season so Arsenal fans have sort of been touting his name as a he could come to us he could come to us so Sadiq then puts forward a tweet 2017 why would Laka join you laughing face 2018 why would Orba join you laughing face 2019 why would Pepe join you laughing face 2020 why would party join you? Laughing face. What's next? It's getting boring now. And it's a good point. It is a good point because we always get that sort of um, put down, if you like, don't we? That oh, you're not in Europe or you're not in the Champions League and you're, you're not as good as you used to be. You know, why are these top class players going to come to you? And, and in particular, Thomas Party being a fantastic example because he was playing Champions League football for the arguably third best team in La Liga. And he chose to come to Arsenal. So um, I thought that was a fantastic tweet because it sums up maybe how our transfer window is going to go this season, especially if we're not even in Europe. I think we've still got that pull just about to be able to get in some half-decent players. So Definitely, yeah. Um, we might not be at the top uh, level of competition-wise and performances, but we'll always have that pull being, being the Arsenal. Absolutely. So, what a worthy winner of Tweet of the Week, you reckon? Yep. 
Good, because it's the only one that we come across that we thought was good enough. So, Tweet of the Week, well done, Sadiq. We will shout you out on Twitter. Um, now, obviously, I was just talking about that, wasn't I? I was saying social media, we've been quiet this weekend. Why is that deadly? Why have we been quiet this weekend? Well, we decided to... Other than breaking beds and, with, and being um, busy. Sorry, yeah, let's start together. The big guys. <laughs> and uh, uh, we took part in the social media blackout to support to support that we did indeed we did indeed and how, how did you find it because i personally found it um quite liberating because twitter can be a toxic place can't it and and you know all, all forms of social media can be you know particularly toxic um especially after an arsenal loss um mm. but you know sometimes even an arsenal win can still feel a bit like a, a dangerous place to be in on social media so it was quite nice not to be on there and to see a lot of what was going on um do, do you ever get that vibe yeah definitely sometimes it, it can be very well almost overwhelming with the amount of negativity on there there's also there's a lot of good things on there but when we're not doing well particularly uh it sort of amplifies doesn't it 100 yeah um yeah and the treatment that a lot of players get or can get the barrage of abuse is it's very um unpleasant and not wanted really and i think it's a step in the right direction but ultimately the um the platforms the social media twitter uh, instagram facebook etc need to take more responsibility and and um stop it before you know with you know proper checks of, of who people are verifications and and nip it in the bud before before it can occur yeah absolutely do you think you know it's, it's a hard one because there was the taking of the knee before the games which everyone was was doing and slowly but surely people are sort of players are backing away from it saying yeah it's great but now it's just a token gesture it's just become part of the norm it's kind of lost its its uh, its power um, do you think the social media blackout made a, a difference? Uh, you know, is it the sort of thing that people will notice? Or do you think, well, that was a three-day break. Let's get back to it. I think if it's something that becomes more frequent, it could help. I, I just think different things, yeah, constant things and like that and protests and it can only benefit um, what what we're ultimately trying to achieve and, and kick out that sort of behaviour. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, though, the the responsibility has to lie with, um, you say, the social media platforms because it's all right having a three day break. That doesn't change whether somebody's you know can can abuse you know a player or or anyone you know for for that matter um so whilst it's good to highlight it through these campaigns the real change has to come from those at the top or those in charge of you know the platforms that are allowing this to happen so it does uh, yeah it, it also needs to come from us uh, you know all of us we have to educate other people we have to call it out if we see it um yeah and show some sort of responsibility and stand up for for people that are are being bullied or, or abused in that way. Yeah, 
absolutely good all right well we i mean as i said we are back but um it was nice to to get away from it all and it was nice to to contribute to a very important um matter in the footballing world at the moment so um you know for all those that that took part congratulations well done and you know you're part of a movement so let's keep it going okay uh arsenal newcastle sunday 2 p.m um clean sheet nice 2-0 victory um you know, one unlikely scorer and one that probably needed a goal for his confidence. Um, but let's start where we always start, Diddy. Let's talk about the lineups. Um, yep. and I can, I'll run through it for you if you want. Um, good, good. Couple of um, couple of changes. It was a weird one because I looked at this and thought, is that stronger than it needs to be, given that we've got the semi-final on Thursday this week? And then I kind of remembered, well. You know, I'm not sure we really have a strong team and a weak team. We just have an average squad. So uh, it's hard right. to know who should have been in and who shouldn't. But there you go. We'll run through it. So keeping his place in goal in the Premier League was Matt Ryan. Um, he's getting more of a run in the team these past couple of games. Do you think that is just to protect Leno from any potential injuries? Yeah, I do. I also think it's um, potentially... Uh dangling the carrot and saying, look, you know, you deserve to play because of your training and the chance for Arteta to really have a look at him. You're going to get some more chances next season. You know, if they decide to, to sign, to sign him permanently, mm. um, which would seem like a good idea, but we'll, we've got a question on that. So we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Good shout. And then left back, Grant Xhaka continues. Um, uh, in the middle, we had Gabriel Magalash and who was he with? David Luiz returned, of course, and uh, Hexabella Bellerin playing right back. So he's come back into the team. Just going to focus on defence for a second. I know you you sort of took issue with Xhaka playing left back again, um, especially as he's potentially mm. going to play left back this coming week. However, there is news that Kieran Tierney might be back um, for that game. So I don't know whether he thought I'll play him as left back because I know I've got Tierney coming back for the Villarreal game. But at this point, we didn't know that Tierney was close to coming back. So um, thoughts on that? As I say, you're a bit miffed that he played him yet again. Yeah, I, I didn't really understand that one. Out of out of all of them, he's made eight changes, three, you know, just out of the back four. You may as well change Shaka as well and give him a break. Um, like it's not his position. What's the point of having Cedric? Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. He would have been the the obvious replacement to take up that position, wouldn't he? And with respect, it was Newcastle. You know, it wasn't like we were playing a City or United or whatever. So, yeah, a bit of a weird one, isn't it? That he he played again. Um, yeah. Do you think he'll start midweek if Tierney's available? And if so, where will he play? It's it's a big ask uh, for Kieran Tierney to just come back in and play the biggest game of the season so far. Um, you know, he's been out for a while. But he is that kind of player, that kind of guy that, that would just step in and step up, huff and puff and, and get 90 minutes. 
under his belt, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, if he's available and he, and he's fit, I, w- I would prefer that he played left back. Um, I think Granite ideally should be centre mid, especially with Sabayas being out, suspended now. Mm-hmm. Who who's he gonna pick? El Nini. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Um, Jacques was also was lucky to stay on the pitch because he got a yellow card. I know we're still going mm. through the formation, but he got a yellow card and then he he did a classic granite jacker whereby he ran into the player that was trying to run past him. And any other time, that, that would have been a yellow card. It was weird that it was Mike Riley and he didn't, you know, he's very um, card happy, isn't he? Um, Mike Dean. Oh, sorry, Mike D, not Mike Riley. They're sorry, all... No, 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 no. You're, you're right. They're all crap referees. It's hard to keep up. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, strange one. He, he could have actually been sent off, but there you go. Yeah, um, he was lucky. Very lucky. He was. Then in midfield, we had Mohamed Elneny um, partnering Danny Ceballos in the middle um, with Willian on the right, I think it was, Martinelli on the left. Uh, Odegaard playing in that sort of number 10 type role and then Aubameyang up front on his own. Um, it was good to bring the changes. It was good to bring in Elneny and to bring in Willian. You know, I guess Sabas wasn't going to play in midweek, as you said, because he got sent off. Um, and it was nice to see Odegaard get some minutes as well. Um, but generally speaking, you see the lineup. What were your thoughts? Did you think a bit too strong or, you know, are the parts in there that you think where you're clearly a second string player so you should have gone in there because I was kind of surprised not to see like Eddie and Ketia in there for example or as you say Suarez um it felt like maybe we were being a bit stronger in places than we needed to for, for me for my liking but possibly but I do think you need to keep some momentum going you, and to do that you need to find the right balance some of the players that sort of played that maybe you would expect to not play because you'd want them for Thursday, like Aubameyang. I think he needed some minutes. I think, like you say, he needed a goal as well, so that's a boost. Um, Martinelli got a start, which was good. I thought Hector Bellerin did well when he came in. Yeah, yeah. He did. Mm. So yeah, apart from Shaka at left back, I, I was I was okay with the team. Yeah, and it was a match that we we dominated from start to finish. Really, Newcastle looks like a team that their season's definitely over. They're safe, you know, all intents and purposes. Fulham aren't going to catch them, I think it is. Um, and it was comfortable for us. But I think it was comfortable for us because Newcastle was so poor as opposed to it was comfortable for us because we were so great. Um, I did like the link-up between yeah. Odegaard and Elneny. And at times, Ceballos. But, you know, again, kind of lost his way at, at times. I don't think he's going to be staying with us, personally speaking. There's rumours around Madrid want £25 million for him. Sorry, but for £25 million, you can get something more productive than, than Ceballos has been. Um but yeah, no, there, there were some nice touches in, in midfield between um, you know some of the, the attacking players and nice interlinking. Um, and let's talk about the first goal because 
Um, El Nani scored it. Um, yeah. And I'm, I, you know, it's another long shot from El Nani that's gone in. It's his first goal for Arsenal in the Premier League. I think he's only ever scored in Europe for us prior to that. Um, obviously, notable goal against Olympiacos in the Europa League earlier this season. And his first goal, I remember being against Barcelona, wasn't it? Um, yeah. He'd not long been with the club, I don't think he scored that. And I thought, oh, this guy's good. <laughs> it hasn't really taken off for him, has it? Bless him. But um, God loves a trier, and he is a trier. And it, I was pleased that he he got his goal because I think he's he was never he's never going to set the world on fire. But I think he's underrated. Do you know what I mean by that? As in, he does yeah. his job. He's tidy. He's okay. He's a good squad player. Yeah, and I think he knows his role, and and he's happy to play it. You do need players like that in the squad. Yeah, absolutely. Professional players that know they're not quite at that level, but when when needed, they can step in and, and do a job. Again, he's not my favourite player. I wouldn't pick him to start for most games, but games like this, yeah, why not give Thomas Partey a rest and play Mohamed Elneny? Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. Um so I'm trying to remember what happened with the goal, if I'm not mistaken. Was it a cross that came in from Bellerin for Aubameyang? Yeah, it's a, it's quite deep. I think David Luiz picks up the ball, um, ping, picks out Hector Bellerin down the right wing, uh, who puts it across. It bounces out uh, on the edge of the area to, to El Nenny, who, you know, it's a tidy technical finish. Yeah, it's a half volley, isn't it? It's nice. Yeah, you, you see many a player sky those over or drag them wide. Um, so. Yeah, Thomas Party would have killed a pigeon. <laughs> yes, as uh, one of the tweet of the weeks last week, one of the contenders said that, didn't he? Yeah. Um, pigeon watch. So, um, yeah, it was a good goal. And as I say, we, we, we just controlled that first half so well um, to the point where we didn't really have to come out of third gear. And... Um, and Newcastle really never troubled Matt Ryan from memory, did they? I think there was one one shot that sort of took a deflection or or he kicked it onto his own foot or something, but yeah. he dealt with it well, tipped it over. I can't remember too many other chances that they had. No, no. Um, you know, we weren't spectacular, we weren't, but we were creating chances, and I think we managed to to get around twenty attempts. At goal, which is is quite good for us, but like you said, they didn't offer much, and it was more of a, felt like an exhibition, like a friendly. Yeah, hundred percent. Anything. Uh, and as I say, they're safe, so to them, it's almost like feet, you know, feet up on the beach, as they say. Um, and for us, the league is done. You know, we're we're not going to get anywhere with it this season. It's almost let's just see what we can do in in Europe. Um, so anyway, good goodbye on any, and, and we. You know, easily see it through to half time, don't we? Um, and again, I think we kind of pick up where we we left off at, at the break because uh, it was more domination by us. What we did well, we we didn't create lots and lots of clear cut chances. We controlled possession and we were good at what I call recycling the ball. You know, I guess mm-hmm. a lot of trying to create the gaps by dragging the ball side to side. You know, side back forward, side back forward. Um, but I don't remember uh, their goalkeeper making loads and loads of worldy saves. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah. Um, I know there's a couple of tip over the bars and what have you, but nothing, nothing major where it could easily have been a four or five nil. So, um, you know, it, it was just one of those games. Um, but a great goal by Aubameyang and a nice team goal, really, isn't it? Because uh, I'm sure you'll talk about it in a moment, but there's lots of sort of one-touch, nice, tippy-tappy yeah. touch. Good one-touch interplay in and around their area. Usual suspects involved, I think, uh, Odegaard, um, who it eventually falls to. He, he works it out wide. Martinelli first time with his left foot. Just a beautiful crossing. Yeah, he takes and out like three Aubameyang, different things, doesn't he? You know, good movement. Yeah. Back post and an athletic, acrobatic finish. Yeah. Yeah. Something, um, I'm not sure Lacazette's little legs would have reached it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm pleased for Aubameyang, but actually I'm more pleased for Martinelli because I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if Arteta's protecting him or just doesn't rate him, which would seem a bit crazy because, you know, every man and his dog, even opposition managers have raved about him. So hard to think it's that. But he, he's had a real tough run of late of not really getting a lot of game time, has he? And even when he has, it's been kind of substitute appearances in the main. Um, so really pleased for him to get uh, an assist, but an assist where he's created everything himself in, in that respect, you know. Um, and as you say, lovely cross. With the left foot. Yeah, and Arteta was questioned on Martinelli, I think, after the game. And he, he said uh, he loves him, he loves Gabby, and no one loves him more than, than I do. That's what he said some, yeah. along those lines. I don't know if you saw that or heard that. I didn't, I didn't. Um, you know, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's just protecting him. Or I forget who we were playing but Martinelli was starting and he swapped him at half time and said, we weren't doing the things that we needed to do. Mm. Um, he didn't out Martinelli, but Martinelli was the one that he replaced. So it makes you wonder whether he's gone in for a bit of tough love. You know, maybe he felt a bit like Martinelli, or maybe it was just going through his head a little bit that everyone was going, he's so great. He's so great. Had his injury. Maybe felt like oh, I'll just walk back into the team and you don't know, do you? It could be anything. It could be anything. As talented as he is, he is still only 19 years old. And I yeah. think people forget that because they've seen a lot a lot of good stuff from him. Um, I don't see any issues there. I think he'll have a big part to play, uh, especially next season. Yeah. yeah. And, and in the future. Yeah. And as I say, in particular for that, that goal, just the way that he um, you know, left foot, takes three defenders out. It lands perfectly in the in the um, direction and vicinity of where Bamiyang's lurking. And so you say, nice, tidy finish. Kind of what you'd expect to see from a Bamiyang, you know, six-yard box. Instead of being drifting out on, on the wide on the left or, or being isolated a bit too much in the middle. Um, it was good. It was a good finish. It was a good, good team goal. So pleased with that. Um, and look, you know, not a lot, of exciting things happens really beyond that. So we're not going to, you know, drag, drag this analysis out, but I think it was just good to get the victory ahead of a big week. Yeah. Apart from that red card late on, I think 90th minute. Yeah. Yeah. For Newcastle where he he came through the back of again, Martinelli 
it was criticised, I think, afterwards by Steve Bruce for for making a big deal out of it. But I thought it was a fairly dangerous tackle, you know, from behind. And was it a second yellow, yellow or straight red? I can't remember. It was a straight red, yeah. yeah and yeah. obviously our friend Dermot Gallagher on the ref watch said he was unlucky to be sent off. Of course but, he was against Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. I I think it. It's a, and there's no arguments there I, really. You come through the back of someone, you, you catch them on the the ankle. Yeah, you're asking for trouble. I remember seeing it in real time, thinking, "Well, that looks like a nasty one." Not not so much maybe the challenge, but the reaction from Martinelli kind of made me think, "Well, that's a, that looks like a nasty one." Um, it's you know it's so hard, isn't it, to be objective with these refereeing decisions and, and red cards in particular because we've suffered um on the wrong side of the law this season haven't we in terms of red cards and you've looked at some and gone how's i mean the one that's still great to me is um uh, bruno fernandez i knew you were going to bring that up, yeah scraping it? scraping his leg down the back of Xhaka's uh achilles and it's like that's fine don't worry not that not even yellow don't worry about it yet you know i see that we've been done for a lot worse and i just think it's hard to say, is it a red, is it not a red? Because you don't know what a red is these days, do you? Mm. Um, did you know I was going to say that because they always talk about that one or just it, it pissed you off too? That that one sticks in my mind as one that he got away with. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure, was it this season or last season against Liverpool? Um, Kieran Tierney got an elbow in the face from Barne. No, no red card no, there. Um, um, was it Trent Alexander-Arnold? Yeah. Um, there was one last week against Everton as well. I thought on yeah. um, Pepe, he was lucky yeah. not to to get a red for that. Yeah, and, and I think um, you know, again, I suppose you have to look at the other side of it. I mentioned right at the beginning of this this analysis. You know, Xhaka was lucky then not to get a second yellow. That that would have been a second yellow on on, on another occasion. You know, if it was Craig Pawson refereeing us, so um, yeah. um, anti-Arsenal ref. So, you know, swings and roundabouts, but the result was already over by that point. So it's not as if we were really going to get any any sort of numerical advantage with any particular length of time to play football still, you know. Um, but yeah, as I was saying, it was good just to get a, a morale boost in victory ahead of what's going to be a tricky week. There may well be some players within that that are going to play uh, on Thursday. Um so, you know, I think if we'd have gone into that with a loss, you know, th- there would have been um, more pressure on the players, understandably, but also more grief from the fans through social media and the like, you know. Uh, so, look, a good victory. And look, uh, where does that leave us in the table? I can't even remember. Ninth, tenth. Let's have a look. Uh, that leaves us ninth. But again, a game more than Villa who uh, are on 48 points. We're on 49 points. Um, and where will it go up to? Is it sixth or seventh that Europa League football will go up to? I think it depends on who wins it, doesn't it? So it could go up to seventh if Man United win it because they're already in a European spot. Um, and who's that? Liverpool, who are five points ahead of us. And there's only four games left. So it's not completely out of the realms of possibility. But when you see you've got Everton and Liverpool ahead of us, both played a game less already. It's, it just seems unlikely, doesn't it? Yeah. So all uh, all hands on deck for the Europa League. Oh, what a neat segue that is. 
Neat segues, as if we've done this before, Dudley. Um, anything else you want to cover off on that Newcastle game before we do move on? No, I think that just about does it. Good. Good. All right, then. So, Thursday, the place to be is the Emirates, but you can't be there. Uh, Arsenal-Villarreal, second leg of the semi-final. Obviously, 2-1 down from the first leg, but we did get that all-important away goal. Um, we've not had a chance to catch up, and we've not recorded a podcast since that first um, that first game in Spain. So, quick recap. What were your thoughts on performance and, and results? Well... First of all, I think the lineup um, was one of the strangest decisions from Arteta I think we've seen so far. Playing that sort of false nine. Yeah. Um, it looked like it was going to be Pepe doing it, but it was Emil Smith Rowe. The, the false nine that he's never played before at Arsenal. No. Uh, yeah, four days to work on it though, Angelo. So. How are you again? Yeah. No uh, it didn't work. I thought it was an absolute disaster. Uh, what, what can you say? I, I don't know why you wouldn't start a centre-forward, really, in one of the most important games of the season. Yeah. To experiment, it, it just for me, isn't the right time to do it. It felt like it was an experiment that... Not so much that an experiment he was doing for himself, but almost... Um, to uh, outthink Emery, you know, yeah. so Emery in his head's thinking they play four three three all the time. This is how we're going to set up. Da, 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 da. Oh, they've come out with a false nine. Right, how's our team going to deal with that? And then when Trigueros scores after five minutes for Villarreal, it's kind of out the window already, isn't it? The game plan. Yeah, um, I thought we lacked any sort of impetus, any energy, and there was no focal point without a striker. There was no pressing. Yeah. That allowed them to dictate quite a lot of the first half. We grew into it eventually, but it took going 2 0 down really for us to wake up and have a go. Start playing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, we lacked leadership. You're right. We lacked a focal point. Because there was no one to, not, not, not that we played this way, but lump the ball up and, and get them to stick stick the ball to them whilst they get support around them. But we did lack the focal point because Emil Smith-Rowe is a fantastic player. But let's not forget, he's only 18, 19. Um, so to lead the line, albeit as a false nine, that's a lot of pressure for someone that's never done it before. And we've seen already this season... His most effective work is being the instigator. It's being the guy that looks for the gaps um, to play those, you know, first touch through balls too. But there was yeah. no one. There was no one to do that to, you know. Um, so it, it was a shambles to to let a goal in after five minutes, um, and then obviously Raúl Abiol scoring from the corner. Um, you know, that, that it was just, again, no leadership. There was nobody saying, he's my man, or, you know, this isn't coming into the box, I'm going to clear it. And, and it comes down to the thing I always say, I flipping hate um, zonal marking. I hate it. You know, I don't know about you, but growing up as a kid, it was always, mark your man, find your man and mark him. He's yours. Very different situations, I know. But that was the marking, that was the, um, 
defensive tactic at the time, if you like, wasn't it? Everyone has a man you stick to him or have players on the posts. That seems to have gone these days. It's I don't understand it. it just nobody seems to learn from it. But there you go. Yeah, it was a, it was a gift of a goal. We were static and and it, it was very poor. I thought from Pablo Mari didn't even attempt to to jump. Yeah. And uh, I thought one of his worst games in an Arsenal shirt. I agree. He's usually been okay, hasn't he? It's fairly consistent, yeah. six, seven out of ten. But yeah. I thought he was awful on Thursday. Yeah, agree. He looked lost. He looked like he didn't know who he was meant to mark. Um, and and, and that, that goal in particular, he was on his own, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, and I know it's not Mark your man at the minute. It's zonal marking. I don't think it was even marking his own, was it? He just looked so lost. Um, so, he, yeah, he wasn't good. And um, Chakwesi, I think his name is, he had Xhaka on toast all night, literally turning him inside out. Um, did Xhaka get a yellow card in that game? Uh, no, he didn't. He didn't. But he, I just felt like at any point, Xhaka was going to give away a penalty or foul him or something because he just... He just kept skinning him up and putting either shots in or crosses in. And I thought, oh God, how, how, you know, this is Emery who was laughed out of Arsenal, let's be honest. Mm. Um, and there was a, there was, there was a lot of confidence going into this game that, yeah, we'll go over there, we'll do them. And I just didn't recognize the, certainly the first half Arsenal that turned up. It was like, what is this? And you're right, we had to go 2 0 down before we got into gear. You would think Arteta would see that and take some sort of action and make a substitution at halftime um, to to change the uh, impetus and the the game. The game. Yeah, but it was it was kind of Emery being Emery that worked in our favour a bit. I think he brought a striker off and put Coquelin on. Yeah. Um, Made him a bit more defensive. They sat back a little bit more, and uh, it, we were able to get a foothold in the game. And we were better in the second half. We started to build a little bit of momentum. I started creating a little bit more in and around the box. But you could see this red card coming a mile off. And um, what I do think it was a bit harsh on on Sabios, but that second yellow, I've seen him not given. It was an accident, but. I think but it, it was coming. Later, it was going to come. Yeah. And and why he didn't bring him off before that? Because I think he made a, a challenge a, a little bit earlier. He could have well got booked for that. Yeah. So Sabios was sent off in the 57th minute, and we didn't make our first sub until the 63rd minute. Yeah. Um. You know, and and, and as you said, really, should he have made a change at half time because we were two 0 down and still playing the stupid false nine. Uh, formation so people have criticized his in-game management before being a bit too stubborn you know falling on his own sword so to speak and uh, that that kind of proves it uh, you know to some degree didn't it because I think any other manager would have gone this is looking dicey I'll uh, I'll take him off um so yeah that that wasn't great but you know however it happened we got it we got the away goal and that's all we needed was just the one, you know, the one away goal was the half a chance that we we needed. Um, and, and we've got it. So, you know, I look back. Penalty, but yeah, I think we'll take that. Absolutely. And, 
Pepe's sixth goal, I think, in the tournament. Yeah. Not too shabby. Yeah. Um, I just take solace from the fact that... Um, uh, who was it against? Was it Benfica? We went down in the first leg and we knew that we had to go there and score goals. Um, or was it Olympiacos? Or was it both? I think it may well have even been both. But, you know, like sometimes when you, you're up in the first leg that you then just want to defend it in the second leg and actually by defending so much you invite pressure on and then you you crack under the pressure and then you oh shit we're, we're losing at least we know we need to we need to win or draw um oh no sorry we need a win what we're talking about we need a win because we're 2-1 down um and we've got the away goal so a 1-0 will win it for us yeah um we've got to get the right balance between gung-ho and cautiousness but yeah we've got to go and try and get a goal haven't we and yeah you see the difference is we're in a good position of if if we get one goal the ties in our favor which means they're going to be coming on to us to try and score because they need to score at that point that makes it a lot more open for the counter-attack because they will be leaving spaces so you know it could really work in our favour if we control the game well enough. We just need to get that first goal. And if we get it early enough, I think we can go on to win that comfortably just because of the fact they'll be desperate to try and score a goal. Um, Is he going to overthink it again? I think he's going to go with pace. And I think he's going to leave one of the pacey players on the bench for, you know, impact at the end of the game. I, I can't see how he doesn't start Pepe. And I think he starts Aubameyang as well. I do too, yeah. So I do see Martinelli being on the bench, unfortunately. Yeah, I do too, yeah. Um, I think it's the right call, I think. I mean, you could flip a coin, Martinelli or Pepe, I think, on the left-hand side. But Pepe deserves to be playing, I think, at the moment. Yeah. And yeah. Martinelli offers you a little bit more coming off the bench. I think he's very, uh, he's very, with his energy, he yeah. can change the game if needed. And he's very direct. He is, yeah. Um, and so, you know, tired legs, trying to make a challenge in the box. You could argue that's the same case for Pepe as well, to be fair, because he's, he's a direct player too. Um, so, yeah, we've got options. I mean, that's the good thing. We've got options. I think, or rather, what do you think in terms of Odegaard and or... Emil Smith-Rowe playing because Saka's clearly going to occupy that right-sided position. You'd you would think, but he might play left-back. You know, you just... Arteta's the kind of guy that would just yeah. randomly stick him at left-back. But yeah. no, I do, I do think Saka on the right, Pepe on the left. I think he'll pick Odegaard to play in the 10 spot. And I think Emil Smith-Rowe, if things aren't going our way, again, is a good player to bring on and change the pace of the game. Yeah. If needed. Yeah. And I mean, I, he's good enough to start. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he shouldn't. But... Yeah, just thinking about what his game plan, Arteta's mm. game plan might be and how to influence it at different stages of the game. And I think the big one is if, I mean, he said Aubameyang and Tierney were in contention last week. And obviously... Bamiang started the game against Newcastle. 
Um, so if Tierney was in contention last week, and I think he made the bench maybe, I'm not sure, can't remember now. Um, if he starts, I mean, that alone is is such a boost, such a boost. The amount of attacking threat we get from our left back is, is unreal. Um, so he'd be a huge boost. I guess the other questions then really fall on, well, we know Leno will start because he is the number one. So what's the centre-back pairing going to be? Because David Luiz has obviously just come back. Mm-hmm. Callum Chambers has done very well at right-back, but in fairness, Bellerin did have a good game at the weekend, offered some, again, some good attacking threat there. Um, so wh- where do you see those positions being filled? I think as we're chasing the game, I think you have to go with Hector Bellerin. Uh, not the most popular choice, but I just think going forward, he offers us a little bit more than Callum Chambers. Um, centre-backs, obviously Louise went off injured against Newcastle, so I don't think he'll play. He won't be fit in time. I think he's out for a couple of weeks. Um, so likely to be holding, I would guess. And probably Gabriel. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Yeah, I agree with all of that. Although I do think if he's going to play holding as the right-sided centre-back, he, he seems to have a real thing for Callum Chambers at the moment. Um, and I think... Chambers and Holden play well together, but I think Chambers puts in a better delivery than uh, than Hector does. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I just I don't know if he gets up and down as well as Hector does. Yeah, yeah, he's probably not as mobile. In you know, he's not as slight. He's he's more built, isn't he? He's not as slight as as Bellerin. I mean, look, it's it's you could make an argument for either of them, couldn't you? Um, at the end of the day. So all I know is we've got a squad. I'll tell you it won't be. <laughs> Cedric. Right, and now you said that. <laughs> now you've said that, no, he'll probably start. That he'll, be, he'll be starting at false nine. He will. Yeah, he will. Um, all I know is we've got a squad that's good enough to, to beat them. And... Um, Let's just hope, in a weird sort of way, let's hope not having the fans there at home helps them. Because I know people talk about having the 12th man and how it helps suck the ball into the net. But the Emirates can be quite a hostile place when it turns on its own fans. Uh, sorry, on its mm-hmm. own team. And that just adds to the, the pressure and the uncomfortableness of players not wanting to, you know, misplace a pass. Yeah. So I'm hoping not having them there might actually help them overcome this um you know this tie maybe maybe yeah um, so look we'll see what happens but what's what's your you'd have to give a score prediction if you don't want but what's your final result at the end of the match going to be think we'll make it through or not yeah I, I do yeah i do think we'll win this game tight comfortable i think it'd be tight yeah. yeah, yeah. I I, I can see Aubameyang scoring. I think. I did. Yeah, I did see a stat today, and typical that I can't see it now. Um, but something like I don't know the last six semi-finals he's been in, he's or oh, semis and quarters, he's like scored in all of them, or something something like that. I can't remember what it was, but um, you know, he is a big game player, isn't he? Yeah. 
he's turned up to the big games. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed. And then, of course, it's looking like it's probably going to be Man United having demolished Roma. Was it 6-2? Don't want in the end? Yeah. How do you feel about potentially facing United in the final? I mean, it's it's probably the final that everyone around the world would want. Um, and Arteta has a good record against them, against Solskjaer, doesn't he? He does, yeah. I don't know. I've always found it uh, weird playing an English team in, in Europe. It's not something I like. Yeah. Um, but they haven't, like you say, they haven't beaten us, I don't think, since 2018. Yeah. If we turn well, up. I was going to say, let's worry about it when we get there. Cause, um, yeah, if we get there. You know, at the minute, we're, we're still not guaranteed a place, are we? So, um, good. All right, well, look, good luck to the Arsenal. And, uh, well, let's wait and see what happens. Let's wait and yeah. see what happens. Right. Now, we've got uh, quite a few listener questions to get through today, Diddley. Um, so, let's start with this one, first of all, from Arsenal Presser, who's at A Presser V2. Um, the horrible people at Twitter closed his first account, which is not great, because I know he'd, he'd done very well to build up the um, the number of... Uh, uh, number of followers that they've got. So do give them a follow if you're, if you're not already following them at a presser V2. Um, now they say, what would be your front four for Thursday? A lot of fans want Martinelli to start, but who gets dropped out of Saka and Pepe for him? Uh, we've just spoken about that really, haven't we? But who, who would be yeah. your front four just to clarify that? Diddly? Well, it would be uh, Bamiyang, Pepe, Saka and Odegaard for me. Yeah. Yeah. I... It's, it's so hard, isn't it, between the Odegaard and it is hard, yeah. Smith Rowe. I'll be honest, I'm actually edging more towards Smith Rowe on the basis that him and Saka have such a good understanding. Mm. Uh, but I how, just feel how do you drop a player like Odegaard? You know, it's so hard, isn't it? I feel Odegaard and Aubameyang have a good understanding. Yeah, yeah. And I guess who would be the better impact player out of Odegaard and Emma Smith Rowe? So. Yeah, you can make a case for either, but that's that's a good shout. Um, so good. All right. Well, thank you for that question. Uh, let me just get with the others because I've already forgotten them. Uh, right. So that's the only one for that game. Here's the others then. So the next one's from Mikey Sanchez, who's at Mikey Sanchez. Uh, and he says, what would you like the next owners, if we do get new owners, what would you want from them? i.e. not just buying players, what else would make a good owner for you, Diddley? Well, that's a big question. It is. Um, good music? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Free Arsenal supporters, um, Spotify premium. <laughs> premium accounts, yeah. Uh, what would I want? I think... What are we not getting from the Cronkies? That, I we, think some transparency. Um, a clear plan, uh, so showing ambition. I think in the market, obviously, would be essential. I think having a, a figurehead and a voice and someone that makes statements and puts a name onto the statement, rather than just 
putting out something on the on the website and signing it off from the Arsenal board. I don't yeah. think that's good enough. Very personal, is it? I think someone to try and build a better connection with the fans to actually listen to what they want, um, to improve match day um, experience when fans are allowed back in. Um, I think uh, have more Arsenal sort of some people with Arsenal DNA. Yeah, oh, that's a horrible. No, phrase. but I, I know exactly what you mean. People that've uh, been there and done it and Arsenal understand people. Yeah, um, I think and diverse representation throughout the club and at board level. I think could be very important. What about you? What are your thoughts and, and feelings on, on a potential new owner? Yeah, much of what you've just said, absolutely. Um, I think uh, Chelsea today have announced that they have changed their um, plan or, or announced that plans for the future whereby they're going to have three fan representatives that will be voted for by fans to sit either on the board in like a fan advisory type role. So basically having a segue between the fans and the club, but they'll be part of the club. Um, because there were talks this week, I think, about um, a petition going to number 10 down the street to make it a rule that fans somehow sit on the boards of football clubs or involved in, in some way with football clubs. So I think that's massively something that we have not had from the Cronkies, you know, that connection with them. Like you say, just signing stuff off as the boards. Who, 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 who's that? Who's written it? Or is this just a generic bullshit from a media team? Yeah. You know what I mean? I think uh, um, with Daniel Ek, if it is him that who decides to, to to buy the club, he's an Arsenal fan already. He's not a, he's not buying it as a businessman, albeit he, he'll have a business head on him. But he's an Arsenal fan. You know, gets the, the struggles we've been through. He kind of gets what we're asking for, and he'll he'll know what everyone wants so uh, that that is a big thing for me yeah fan interaction and transparency it's not a bad start either to to get ex-players like Vieira, Burkamp and, and Henri involved is it no no that, that was going to be my other thing I think I mentioned it last week and I know you have before it's not having ex-Arsenal men there how do you how can you be a bastion for the club and, and carry through the the culture and the values if you haven't got anyone that's been there and lived it and breathed it, you know? Um, so I would definitely look to do that. But again, it looks like that's that's one of his plans. My big question, and I don't know what capacity, but my big question is, would you look to bring back Arsene Wenger or or do you think his time is kind of done? Like, let, let it just go as it's, his legacy is what it is and that's it. Thanks very much. Because he's always said, I'll come back to the club if they ever ask me if they want anything. I'm here to help them. He's such an intelligent guy that I I don't really see a reason to not have him around. As long as it's not an overly influential on, right. on to the coaching staff and manager. I think there's certainly a place for him in and around the club. I feel like he should be having Arteta's, uh, not Arteta's job, sorry, he's done that. I feel like he should have 
Edu's role, personally. Um, he's a charmer, isn't he? Say what you want about him. He's got the respect of players because he's won almost everything. And yeah, I do worry about someone having any sort of influence that like that who brought in and paid £35 million for Squadron Mustafi. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. You got me there. Yeah, you got me there. Um, I don't know. I just, yeah, I'd like I'd like to see him back at the club in some capacity, but I know what you mean. It's finding the right fit. You don't want to. I said this phrase a lot, but square peg round hole someone. Um, so, yeah, I guess time will tell if that actually happens. But certainly as a starting point, it's not a bad thing having a couple of invincibles, you know, in your corner. Um, but again, interestingly, what will their roles be if if his buyout is successful? Are they just going to be you know, silent partners or are they just, you know, are they going to have something to do with fan liaison? You don't know. You just don't and know. He was asked about this last night on, um, who's this, Henri? Yeah. On Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football. And he was quite coy about it. Whether it is, he just doesn't know yet. And it's just, uh, they're all in some sort of advisory position at the minute to, to this EC. Yeah, we might have a non-disclosure agreement where you can't actually say. Yeah, I, I imagine that's what it is. Yeah. All right. Well, tough one, but we'll see. We'll see what happens, and um, you know, who knows? Some of our predictions might come true if, if the sale goes through. So, thank you, Mikey, for that one. Appreciate the question. Uh, next one's from Zach Anti Cronky. I think he's Cronky out with that. Uh, he's at AFC Zob. Uh, and he says, how do you feel about Arteta and where do you draw the line for him being sacked? Do you want to take this one first? Yeah, I can do. Uh, I've said throughout this whole season and and well, not so much last because everyone was riding on the, the crest of a wave of winning the FA Cup and the Community Shield. But this season, we had an awful start. And as I said, if you look at the results from the turn of of the year actually we've improved we've not been great we're not playing fantastic football but we have improved results wise even if there's not been great um uh, but i've always said you know getting players in getting players out getting the right players for your mold is not uh, an overnight job it's so not. I, kind of, I kind of feel like this season has been a bit of a free pass to some degree because he's got rid of the players he clearly doesn't want he's got in some of the others that he has the likes of party etc um, and I think with some more clever additions in the summer, well, I do think we've got a manager that is tactically astute, but sometimes he, he is inexperienced also shows where he overthinks things and tries to be too clever. Um, so how do I feel on him getting sacked for me? Some might say that's arrogance or stubbornness. Stubbornness. Yeah. Um, but how do I feel about getting sacked? I, I wouldn't sack him at the end of the season, regardless of what happens, because it's not going to change anything for the here and now. You get another manager and he's going to probably get half of those players out and bring his own players in. So for me, he's had his comfort of this season. Um, and really, it starts from next season. You know, if we if we have the first 10 games and he's lost half of them, for example, but he's won the other half, you know, Five out of ten, probably not good enough for someone then that's looking to be at the the top end of the table. 
Um, but regardless, I guess it all comes down to the Cronkies, doesn't it? You know, if they're still in charge, do they just want a young, cheap manager? So as long as we don't get relegated, they're still going to pick up their money. So that that's just my view. As I say, turn, turn you know, turn the season, start a new one, see what happens. Mm-hmm. You? Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think we're sort of both on the same page with regards to Arteta. I was very much in the Arteta in camp. Um, I have to say, more recently, I've been sort not swayed. Your loyalty has been tested. Yeah, he's you know he does things that make it difficult for me to argue for him when. You know, the the biggest thing for me is the unwillingness to to make subs early. Yeah. To realise when he's got it wrong and to change it to do something about it. Um, earlier in the season, I think his persistence with William was quite jarring. Yeah. And a little bit short-sighted, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Uh, transfers, I think he's done well getting the players out that he wanted out. I think. They probably weren't good enough. Um, but some of them he's brought in kind of hit and miss, really, if we're being honest. Like we said, Cedric seems seemed earlier in the season when he was being used, he looked all right, but now he's not getting a look in. He's third choice right back behind Callum Chambers and Hector Bellerin. you got to ask yourself, well, what's the point of him being here? Really, and he's got a four-year contract. Um, there, uh, regards to the season, I think it was always going to get worse before it got better. I, I'm not surprised with where we are and and where we're likely to finish because a lot of these players aren't good enough, mm-hmm. and they weren't good enough. Um, we had a really bad spell that's just affected the whole season. I think done well to to dig himself out of that to get the players playing properly and, and get some results but again performances haven't been great like you say give him another window it's probably the most important one for a long time he'll have a almost full team of who he wants and then judge him from there yeah I think there are positive points as well he's got players I think they're still playing for him I think they're on his side I don't think there's any issues there with the players that are currently involved I think he's done well to persuade people to stay given contracts like Saka Aubameyang more recently Balogun but yeah the results have got to get better haven't they And, and the performances Hopefully they will next season. Yeah. And as you say, um, a particularly important summer transfer window coming up, probably the most important of his short reign at Arsenal. And um, again, another neat segue into the last uh, two questions that we're going to run through tonight um, because they are transfer related. So the first one's from uh, good friends at Cannon Chatter, at Cannon Chatter. Uh, Make sure you follow them. Um, and they both ask, hi, gents, given the reports of Leno wanting out, do you believe he has lived up to expectation? Will you be disappointed if he does leave? 
And if he goes, who would you replace him with? So let's let's split that question up into the three that uh, that form mm-hmm. it. So so uh, just to recap, Leno was asked recently, you know, what's the crack on your future basically, and he said, well, I'm keeping the options open and seeing what's what. Kind of, uh, I think they've been clarified somewhat since then, where uh, he hasn't come out and said I'm leaving, but uh, he wasn't particularly committal in his. I love it here and I'm never going anywhere else type uh, response either. So uh, as you'd expect, you know, transfers and uh, coming up to silly season, um, you know, us have been linked with a few goalkeepers all of a sudden. So first thing says, do you believe he's lived up to expectation? In my view, I'm just going to quickly jump in. I didn't really yeah. have an expectation of Leno because I'll be honest, I, I don't watch a lot of Bundesliga. He was obviously at Leverkusen before. And um, I just I had no expectation, personally speaking. So I guess he's lived up to it because there was no bar set. But I just wanted to get that in there, mm. in my opinion. So, yeah, what about you? Yeah, for me, he's exceeded my expectations. I, I wasn't expecting that much from him. I wasn't overly impressed with what I'd seen. He, he looked like he had mistakes in him at Leverkusen. But I actually think he's turned into a fairly solid goalkeeper overall you know by last week he doesn't make too many of those errors enough and, and I think he's been in and around the sort of top three sort of players of the season yeah before that. yeah um if you look at the competition that he's up against from yeah. the recent past that certainly helps him you think like Peter Chet was a great goalkeeper but really his best days were past him when he joined Arsenal uh, albeit he won an FA Cup. David Espino was just a joke. Um, you know, you, you could go on with all the the, the the crap keepers that we've had, really. The only two that stand yeah. out in the last sort of 20 years or so are David Seaman and, and probably even further than 20 years now, but David Seaman and, and Jens Lehmann, they're the, the two class acts that we've had, really, aren't they? Yeah, and people might argue about Emmy Martinez, but he... He's had good spells, but he's still so inexperienced. I don't think he. I don't. I think we got a good price for someone that was a good over a year ago. Was was, you know, not pulling up trees. No one was really talking about him that much. Yeah. To get to get that sort of money, I think was a good deal in the end. Yeah. He had one good season, didn't he? And you know, yeah. they say one one swallow doesn't make a summer. I think is the phrase. So, you know, he's he's had his mistakes at Villa as well this season. Yeah, he has. So. Would I be sad to see Leno go? I think was another part to that question. And yeah. would you be disappointed if he leaves? Yeah. Ultimately, I don't think I would be on on the same. I know that's a strange thing to say after praising him, but. Yeah, depending on who, who we were likely to yeah, bring in. Yeah, I was just in. about to say, I think the second point to that question kind of depends on the third point, which is who would you like to bring in? So, you know, if you brought someone in that, I don't know, let's say you brought in a Peter Schmeichel type keeper, you'd be going, yeah, fine, let him go, look what we've got. If you were getting rid of him and bringing back David Ospina, for example, you'd be going, oh, God, God, look what we've got. So the two are definitely linked. And I guess who would you like to see as a potential Arsenal goalkeeper? There are reports of 
uh, as mentioned at the, at the top of the show, Gigi Donnarumma leaving AC Milan on a free contract. That could start a merry-go-round if he goes to Juventus because then uh, one-time Guna Wojciech Szczesny becomes available. Would you have him back? Um, or is there someone else that you think, you know what, they'd make a decent goalkeeper. I'd have them at Arsenal. Or, I'm just going to throw it out there, would you take Matt Ryan as a number one goalkeeper for Arsenal? I'm not sure he's at, of that level, if I'm being honest, but I do think he's a very good number two. And, and I think he, he's potentially someone that would be quite happy to to play as a number two, to play... Cup keeper. 15 games a season. Yeah. For the, for the club that, you know, he supports. Yeah. Would he rather be number two at Brighton? Because that's where he was. Yeah. Or number two at the club that he likes, that he sports. Yeah. Who's your standout? I'd really like to have them. Because I feel like there's lots of good goalkeepers. Lots and lots of good goalkeepers. But I think that the standout, you know, upper echelon, wow, what an amazing world-class goalkeeper. I think like they're really, really few and far between. Do you, do you know what mm. I mean? Yeah, they are. I, I wouldn't mind Atletico Madrid's goalkeeper, but I can't see that happening. Yeah, no black. Yeah. Um, but well, based on the web- Thomas Party could put a word in for him, couldn't he? So. Yeah, yeah. They say, don't come. Um, I think we need the way football is and that position, the way it's evolving constantly. You do need someone that can play a bit with their feet as well um i off the top of my head i find it quite difficult to think of anyone of that mold but let me ask you this then would you have chesney back do you think he's left if i'm being honest okay based on what footballing ability or his attitude just that i don't like to to go back to to, to players that that, you, that we used to have, really, yeah, it doesn't always work. It doesn't work out. He is a winner though, because you have to be at Juventus. He's a winner. He's a gooner. He's got that goalkeeper arrogance, and he's got. Because don't forget, before he left for Juve, he had a season at Roma on loan, didn't he? So uh, I think he won goalkeeper of the year that that year with like most clean sheets. Um. Uh, and by all this positivity, you can probably sense that I'm probably a bit pro Chesney. There's something about him I really like. And I, I think you become sort of prime, your prime goalkeeper when you become almost 30, 32. That's when you're really at the pinnacle. And I'm sure he's only 29 or something like that. So um, he might even be 30. I, I could see him being a much better goalkeeper than he was when he left. Immature, arrogant. You know, naughty. He's like a naughty kid, weren't he? Smoking in the showers and what have you, getting up to no good. I think he's, he's gone to he's gone to Italy, and you go to a club like Juventus. You're learning from the likes of, um, you know, Gigi Buffon, and um, you learn how to be a professional. You train like a professional. I mean, I, I may have said this before on the podcast, but I, I saw an interview with him. And one of the things he said was, I couldn't believe the difference in goalkeeper training 
it's a proper training regime in Italy to be a goalkeeper in England. It's just, you know, not, I don't, he didn't say the word amateurish, but it's just a completely different kettle of fish. So I'd, I'd be up for having him back. Him aside, we would never, ever, ever get this guy, ever. But when he was on loan last season from his parent club, I thought, this guy's brilliant. I would love to have him at Arsenal. And it was Dean Henderson, who's now at Man United, um, who's almost establishing himself as their number one in a you know nice tussle with David De Gea. I thought he was I thought he was brilliant at Sheffield United, and I thought oh, it'd be great if we could get him. Obviously, he's gone back to his parent club, and it is what it is. So after that little ramble, I'm not sure I'm any wiser as to who I'd have replaced Leno. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I quite like Lille's goalkeeper as well, Mike Mike. Magnan, I think. Yeah. Uh, he's decent, athletic, uh, good distribution. And we were linked with David Raya for the same reason of Brentford. Um, they are in a playoff position, I think, a chance still of automatic promotion, Brentford. Um, if they come up, less chance of him leaving, I think. If they don't come up, more chance of him leaving. They might need the money. I don't know. Or they may have said to him, look, you've got one more year and you're here and then, okay, you can go if we don't make it. I'm not going to say I know a lot about him because I don't, but from what I've seen, you know, the videos I've seen, there was a training video. His distribution looked fantastic. So could he still be someone that we're after? He could well be, yeah. Um, my only concern with that is that if it's based on the goalkeeper coach's recommendation... Judging uh, Alex Runison, I wouldn't be uh, too keen on it. <laughs> yeah, fair comment. Um, I just worry that if that season, yeah, you can't win them all. You can't, you can't win them all. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Look, the bottom line is we we don't have to be the ones to make that decision. So we'll wait and see what what happens in the summer. And look, Leno may end up staying. He may end up signing a new contract. And if that happens, I'll be equally as happy as, you know, whether we've got a new player anyway. So, so last question of the night. And it is from Kel, who's at AFC Kel. Uh, and they ask, if you could only sign one player in the summer, God forbid, they say in brackets, what position would you feel and who would it be? Uh, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I hate these questions. You take Messi. With due respect. Yeah. You take Messi if you had to. I hear Ronaldo's thinking of you leaving Juventus. Maybe. So um, I know what kind of player I think we need. And that's a goal scoring midfielder. Yeah. Uh, and also someone who's able to play quickly, uh, high tempo, quick passing, one two touch. From midfield, you know, someone similar to how Sesh Fabregas used to play, I think, alongside Thomas Partey, that, that I think would be the right balance. Um, who is that player? Because we're not. So I've gonna... got, so got one name for you. All right, go on. Um, who we were linked with before, and he's just won Championship Player of the Season. Right. Emmy Boyd. Yeah. Yeah. 
his stats are amazing. You can't, you know, and I know championships are a different level to the Premier League, but would you take someone like that? Yeah, I would. I think he, he is someone that does interest me. Uh, he's someone that has those characteristics, I think, that, that we need. Or is he too similar to an Emerald Smith-Rowe type player and therefore he's more number 10 than, uh, you know, box-to-box goal-scoring midfielder? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Again, I don't know too much about about the championship. I don't, I don't watch it that much. Yeah. Um, does he play that a little bit deeper? Can he play that bit deeper? I believe he plays, as I say, almost as that number 10. And if not, he plays on one of the wings and comes in from there. So he's very much what you'd class as a an attacking midfielder, I think. Um, we were linked with uh, Yves Basuma, weren't we, from Brighton, who Arteta's a big fan of, apparently. Yeah. Um, I'd quite like to see that happen. Again, from what I've seen of him, and I'm not going to say I watch Brighton religiously, but from what I've seen of him, he does look the part. And he's more nimble, maybe the right, the right word to use, more athletic in as much as he can get around the pitch, uh, maybe a bit more freely than party, but certainly better than Granite Xhaka. And I think those two could be a really strong force in the middle of the park. Um, I think we both recognise that is a big area of the, the team that needs reinforcements. Obviously, we're going to lose Danny Ceballos. There's a chance that we might not sign either permanently or on loan Um Martin Odegaard again. So there's two players alone that we're going to be light, um, light on, aren't we? Um, but then, of course, we've got the likes of Joe Willett coming back. We've got Maitland-Niles coming back. Uh, Matteo Guendouzi coming back. Lucas Torreira coming back. So we've got the numbers. We've probably just not the quality that we want. Um, the other question I was going to ask you in relation to this was... David Luiz came back at the weekend, obviously went off injured, but kind of with his long-range passing really proved what we've been missing from the back. You know, leadership and that ability to to transition from defence to attack really quickly, cutting out midfield. A, would you give him another contract? And B, if not, do you think he needs replacing? Uh, and is, I guess... Um, uh, oh god, mine's gone blank. Uh, played in France at the minute, William Saliba. Yeah, do you think he's a suitable replacement, or, or still going to be too inexperienced? I think he he's come on leaps and bounds this season from from what I've seen at, at Nice and uh, ready-made replacement. So would you offer? Why why have we spent thirty million on him if we're not gonna eventually just stick him for, in the first team? Just for to so say that we could make a really cool transfer announcement video, I think. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was that was one of the better ones. Um would you sign Dav Louise to another contract knowing that he won't play as much? Um no, I, I just or would you just let him go? I do like I do like his attributes and what he brings to the side with his passing and to a certain extent his leadership, but I think the amount he's gonna want a week I think, would be 
I find that hard to warrant. I think would be better spent elsewhere. Yeah. And let's not forget, he's a classic, you know, good for three games and then he'll have a stinker. And he's cost us quite a lot this season, hasn't he? Uh, he still hasn't scored a free kick for us yet. <laughs> so, uh, actually, that's another thing we want from a midfielder, one that could take a decent free kick in corner. Um, so, okay. I mean, look, tough questions to to answer. Um, and no doubt we're going to cover those. I know we said it recently, but we're going to we're going to cover those towards the end of the season. You know, who stays, who goes, what the plan is. Yeah. Um, so that'll be nice, nice and tricky because we might not have any of the squad left by the time we're finished with their reviews. But and um, you know, we love to hear from you guys. So send send us your suggestions, your recommendations, and we'll do some research uh, into those players. Yeah. Where can they contact us, Diddley? It's at Blast Arsenal Pod. You're right. On Twitter and Instagram. Right there. That's where you're going to find us. Yeah. So if you've got any transfer recommendations of your own, let us know. And we'll put a word into Edu, see what you can do. Um, but look, I think that probably draws us to a, a close on uh, on this week's episode. We said it wasn't going to be a long one. It's been like an hour and 20. But once you get going, you just can't stop. You know, a bit like when you have Pringles. Um, so <laughs> that's awful, weren't it? <laughs> I would like to apologise for the awful puns in this week's episode. Um, no, look, we'll bring it to a close there. Thanks as ever for your support. We'll be back next week. Let's hope that when we speak to you next, we will have qualified for the final of the Europa League. Willian scoring his first goal for Arsenal in the uh, 89th minute. Uh, I'll take that right now, actually. I'll, I'll bite yeah. your hand off for it. Um, uh, and yeah, let's hope that we can make it through to the final and, and play Roma. Hopefully they can have an amazing comeback against United. That would be good. Now that they've just announced, it, that would be good. Now that they've just announced Jose Mourinho as their new manager from next season. Yes, yes, they have. Yeah, news, it amazes me that he's still getting these high-profile jobs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Until then, peace out and come on, you gunners. Come on, you gunners. Bye bye. Bye. Arsenal.